Talk Radio with the best host in the biz. Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7 the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. And as always, I am pleased about being here with you and and being given the opportunity to discuss the things that impact our lives now and in the future. We are about the business of making sure that people truly understand what it is that we're committed to and what direction we want our country to go in. We don't want anyone to assume that this country is not ours, that we are willing or able uh, to leave here and go somewhere else. We were born, raised, and committed to this country. We realize that our ancestors were first brought here as slaves, but now we know that we are, we shedded our blood, sweat, and tears for the opportunity to make this country great. And not great again, but continuously great as we move toward that direction of having what is truly in the words of the Constitution. And today I want to talk about white privilege. Uh, And 
those of us who who have who deny or don't believe that white privilege exists only have to listen to the story that I'm about to tell you so that you have a clear understanding of what white privilege truly is. See, white privilege gives someone the opportunity uh, to take advantage of the laws that exist on the book. White privilege gives you the right to make a mistake that others would be fired for, but yet you keep your job. White privilege allows you to flunk, flunk your rights and your ability to be American when others are made to believe uh, that the rights don't exist for them. And so as we come to understand what right privilege is, we then know what it is that we're fighting against when we fight for our equal rights uh, because we want the ability to have the same type freedom that white Americans have. So today I'm going to talk to you about a situation which clearly shows and defines what white privilege is. In the Tampa area, a white gentleman who used to be a law enforcement officer was allowed to carry a weapon to a movie theater. When he became annoyed by another white man texting his child or texting his child's babysitter, he suggested that the man needs to turn his phone off or move to another area. When the man refused to move or turn his his phone off, the two got into a disagreement. The gentleman who had his phone on, and the movie hadn't even started. I need you to understand, the movie had yet to start, and this man is telling another man not to use his cell phone. And see, this white privilege goes along with the fact that this man was also a law enforcement officer. So he felt as though it was okay for him to tell somebody else what to do. Talking to you about the fact that there are white people around us 24-7 who assume that they have the right to make other individuals do as they say to the point that they will get involved on a personal level. And so I want to tell you this story completely so you completely understand what is the the mindset of some white people in America. So this gentleman went out to, the white gentleman, older gentleman, went out to management and told the manager of the theater that a man was texting on his phone and it was causing a problem. The fact that the manager didn't choose to go in here and make go through some changes about it should let you know that texting is something that a lot of people do that isn't a big deal 
in the theater because in most cases creating enough noise to truly irritate anybody. The man returns to his seat with his wife and he tells the man that I've told on you and uh, you're going to get in trouble, which upset the man who was doing the texting. At this point, the man stands up and tells the gentleman, gives the gentleman peace of his mind, and then throws popcorn in his face. The older white gentleman at that point stands up and fires one single shot, arm of the man's wife, into his chest, causing him to die. Now, white privilege doesn't stop at the point where this man felt comfortable taking his gun into the theater. This older white gentleman is allowed to have bonds. He bonds out of jail. He's also allowed to delay the trial three years. This man is now 75 years old. They still have not had the trial, and they continue to have delays. Let me just ask you a common sense question. Do you honestly believe that a black man could carry a gun into a theater, kill a person for texting, and three years outside of the courtroom before he goes to jail? These are the kinds of things that a white Americans are allowed to do all over the country, defy the laws, and be treated differently. This is the battle that we face. And this is the privilege uh, that they are allowed to have and to flaunt in the face of immigrants and people of color. At some point, we have to raise our voices and be heard related to the options that are given to white America that would never be afforded people of color. I come to you this evening and in amazement, I decided to, to go back in to Google this man and this event, and I could not believe there were people suggesting that this case will never reach the court. In some ways, they believe that this man will be able to stay out of jail until after his death, being that he's already 75 years old. Now, do you honestly believe that you could violate somebody's existence to live in a movie theater, shooting their wives, shooting their wife, as well as the man, and you stay out of the courtroom for three years? No, James, uh, that wouldn't wouldn't happen in a normal world. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Um, 
But, you know, we don't live in a, in a normal world. We have not lived in a normal world for the past probably 10 years. Um, you know, let me tell you a quick story that's going to kind of put all of this into perspective. Uh, I was at the uh, Golden Corral one day, and this white guy, an older white guy, uh, was standing in front of the Golden Corral restaurant, and he had a, a, a pistol on his hip. And so uh, he leaned up against the column of the awning and crossed his ankles up and lit a cigarette and was posted up like the, like the Marlboro Man. And immediately I got the perception that him banishing the weapon, that I got a weapon on my hip, it gave him a different persona in life. It gave him the confidence that he probably would not have had in all his life. You know, an idea of being able to uh, uh, banish, banish the weapon uh, with a license. And if that's not enough, uh, America has adopted or has inc- incorporated a law that would kind of help them slide through the cracks if they ever were to get in the confrontation with people and you were, and you happen to pull your weapon and fire it. And that law is called the Stand Your Ground Law. Uh, this law works only if you claim to be fearful of your life and you have to pull your weapon and fire it at another, whether they're armed or, or unarmed. Um, the lawyers that and and legislators le- legislators that help put this law into effect have this loophole of understanding. You have to be you have to be able to prove that you was able to that you was fearful of your life. Now, let's go back to a couple of cases, one of which is the George Zimmerman case uh, that was told by the 911 operator not to interact with Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, you know, two witnesses in that case, and one of them is dead. And so it has become pretty obvious to me that these people, what they do, they agitate a situation. They agitate a situation so that when they are taken advantage of by the struggle, then they have the opportunity to pull out their weapon and fire it. Mind you, that's practically not boring. You get all these weapons. Target practice is not boring. And they actually want to go out and see what these weapons can do with another person. As asinine as that sounds, to me, that's the only solution, or that's the only mindset they seem to have when they get into these skirmishes with people. Thank you, James. This gentleman who is now 75 years old tried to use the Stand Your Ground law uh, to his advantage, but the judge refused him the right to use it. But even though he was refused to use the law, he has been out of jail for over three years. And his lawyers are hoping 
that people die, people move away, or people forget the essence of what happened so that his client continue to live and enjoy his retirement from law enforcement and the nice availability of his home, saying to you guys, you got to realize this is continuing to happen over and over again. We have a African-American male uh, in Tampa who found it necessary to kill a series of people unnecessarily. There is no way they're going to allow him out of jail or to wait three years before he's convicted. They at one point wanted to convict his parents because they were interfering with the investigation by not talking to them. Now, can you imagine mandating that a mother and father speak against their child and you're willing to throw them in jail if they refuse to talk to you? These are the kinds of things they do against people of color, but they allow themselves the ability you kill somebody in a movie theater and you get bail and you're allowed to go home for three years waiting on your trial. These are kinds of privileges that white people get. Uh, Kathy, what is your thought? You know, as we talk about this, how much would this enrage this woman who sees her son she had a four-month-year-old baby at home. She goes to the movie on a date, a movie date. Stranger who can't control his temper shoots her and her husband, leaving her as a widow. Good afternoon, everyone. You know, James, that is a very, very sad um, situation right there And um, I really Feel for the wife But I want to Know when are we going to have A week of talking about Good things about Blessings that People that have overcome And have got through or made It through I need to hear Some positive things James I don't want to hear Any Negativity what about black privilege? Don't we have privileges? What about Christianity privilege? Don't sometimes the Lord give us favor on certain things? I need to talk about that. I can't really right now talk about that situation, James. I'm sorry. Well, I am going to have to find you a good story, and I'll make sure that happens before the end of the week. But you know, you know, we have to schedule those topics, and I'll have to make sure that that uh, is a topic we can we can uh, have for Austin. Uh, Andre, let me go to you and hope that you you're not you you don't have one of those days when you want to uh, ignore this topic as well. How you doing, Andre?
she wanted a week. She didn't ask a well, wonderful Wednesday to everyone. And Kathy said that she would like to have a week of good blessings and positive. Not just a day and not just a show. Uh, so <laughs> I would have to agree with her. And uh, to tell you the truth, I, I missed the beginning of what uh, the topic is for tonight. So uh, I have to continue to listen a little longer. All right. Well, guys, let me just go on here and, and uh, I sent the email to everybody. You know, I'm trying to be more proficient. But what I'm trying to get everybody to understand is that we are waging war on issues that impact us as individuals. Uh, our children and our fathers and our uncles are all finding themselves facing a judicial system that does not treat them fairly. And I'm saying to you, when white Americans that are allowed uh, to go home uh, before they're convicted, they kill people and they're allowed to go home uh, even though that they know they got caught red-handed, saying this is a situation where we have to ask the justice system is supposed to be blind. And if the justice system allows one individual to go home and to wait or put off his punishment for three years, then everybody should have a similar opportunity. But I'm suggesting to you that you can't look at look for that kind of privilege when you are a person of color. So Joyce, I, I know that uh, you know, we're in need of some good stories, but the fact is we need to make sure that we are able and prepared to deal with the fact clearly we are being treated differently. Well, um, good afternoon, everybody. But that type of law applies to to the minorities, too. It's just that people have money. Money put them in a situation to be be, uh, bail like that. Um, Look at Bill Cosby. Uh, you know, you, you, if you got the money, you can you can stay out of jail for as long as you want to, as long as your money lasts. You can stay out of jail because that's the way it's set up. Money talks, and um, you know, and we gotta get off of this about the, what the law is, and then about being the same for blacks. All situations are different, and I keep saying over and over and over, the law is not designed for blacks anyway. Is it when it comes to you? You do you really think you're gonna get the same rights that the other person gets, and he's of color? We see this every day. It, it, it's so explanatory to you from your president. He's showing you that you just don't mean anything in this United States when he's the president. So when it comes to the law, he have already told you what, given them hints what to do. You kill them up, you can get out the same day. You can walk down the street a free man. So what makes us think that we will, that, that they would lock this guy up? He used to be an ex-cop, uh, a retired cop for number one. So that lets you know he's in that brotherhood type of situation where they're going to look out for their own. So money talks, money, money talks. And that's just where we are, and that's what the law is. And we know from heads up that the law is not designed for everyone. And it's really sad. Uh, here in Phoenix, they look in that case where, and it was a brother who beat another brother. He was a, The brother was a policeman. This other brother's unconscious. 
We oh, our law is is ridiculous. You already got him in jail. You already got him locked up. So my God, he kept he hit the man so bad that he's unconscious, and now he's on paid leave. Paid leave, by the way, until they investigate. So and like that young lady they had on TV, national TV. Now uh, the police saying that he was in the wrong. Since when the police bashes a young lady on the beach? I don't care if she drunk or whatever. So if she drunk, automatically she intoxicated. She won't be able to do nothing. But you're gonna beat her in the head like that, and you're gonna say that you had the rights after a review in the tape. This is ridiculous. We, you know, everything is called blunt because your president has set the president of what happened. And then this is what we got. Everybody, you know, the law is whatever it is that they want it to be, when they want it to be, and how they want it to be it. Thank you. It is clearly understandable uh, that we find ourselves in a very unique situation. Uh, I have never recognized or understood what it is that I'm seeing now and how it is being, how these laws are being implemented. I truly believe that I was a lot safer uh, when I left college and, and went off on my own in 1978. I never had any consideration that my life may not be safe uh, because of law enforcement, that somehow or another my ability to live uh, equally as white was somehow this distorted. It seems like the distortion now, Andre, is a lot greater than it's ever been and that the unfairness of the laws are more clearer now than it's ever been. And uh, that's one of the reasons we find ourselves facing this situation. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I think it's been occurring, but I think that because of social media, I think because of electronics, uh, cell phones, and and just the, the rate of speed in which communication is now, I think it's being exposed more, and we're uh, being made aware of it more often. But I could tell you, um, injustice uh, have been going on for years and years. So it's not necessarily that it's a more magnitude. I think it's being brought to our attention. Uh, we are at a different uh, age and a different part of the journey of uh, of our lives, so we're starting to pay attention, you know, differently. Um, so I think it's been occurring, James, but that's just my opinion. Well, I, I'm just saying to you, and you very well may be right, uh, because our worlds were much, much smaller and uh, that we were not given the information that was happening all across the country. But being a former student of South Carolina State, I spent a lot of time in a small city called Orangeburg where there was once a, a what they call the Orangeburg Massacre, where uh, law enforcement came on our current campus because of, uh, some uproar about a situation that had happened at a movie theater off our campus. But even with that, and then being there for four and a half years, I never heard of another student being violated or beaten as a result of a conflict with 
Orangeburg police. So I'm just going by what I felt. I felt very comfortable talking to the police. I traveled up and down the roads of South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida without fear of being uh, accosted. I believe that uh, the only thing I worried about was getting a speeding ticket. So I'm just saying that you're right. We get information a lot quicker from a lot of different places, but it still seems as though we were safer during that period of time when I was at my most vulnerable. Uh, In high school, I had the safety of my home. But once I left high school and went out for my own uh, to go to South Carolina, I still believe that I have never experienced a police officer coming up to me and asking me what my name was or give me your ID or uh, what what are you doing in this area as I walked the orange walked around Orangeburg. So, um, you know, Joyce, I'm just saying, I, I there's some things that I see guys going through now. I have yet to experience. Well, I I think I agree with Audrey. Things have been going, uh, been happening all along. There's no change. The only change is that instead of taking a person's word, you let a video do the talking. Then in in the videos, pictures don't lie. But then when you didn't have nothing to back up your story, they're gonna always gonna believe that person in blue. They're gonna always believe that person that is not of color. But now you question the system and you got proof to question the system. So it's not that it, that it's gotten worse. No, well, it's gotten worse because we see it. We see it every day. We see all the, the hidden things that would never come to light if we didn't have cell phones and videos to put the, and the cameras and the whole bit. That's what's going on. But like Audrey said, this has been happening for years, but they had a way of, of, uh, burying stuff and making and put a flip on on situations that uh, you would never never ever think that our system was set up this way. But uh, I don't think it has changed one bit. It is interesting that we are able to say that. And again, I I guess I'm not in total disagreement that social media has had an impact on the kind of things that we get immediately. Uh, but you would have thought, or at least I thought that we had turned the corner once Barack Obama had gotten had gotten elected twice. I thought we were in a new era of understanding, and it seems as though we have yet to get to the point where we can deal with each other in terms of race on a level platform. Uh, Tamara, I know this is your second time calling in. What you know? Would you like to speak and? Tell us what your thoughts are related to the era we find ourselves in right now. You know, I'm not sure if you're talking to me, James, or not, but, um, you know, one of the things I will say is that I do agree with Joyce is that, you know, we have access to information because of technology immediately, whereas before we didn't. So I think that we know more um, more quickly. I do agree with her that, you know, these things have always happened. This isn't new. We just see it more quickly now and we see it more. 
And then also another part of the technology piece that I think about a lot is because we have such immediate access and because we see so many of the stories, are we sometimes now becoming a little desensitized to it? Because it's like it seems almost like it's more of the same. The stories keep happening. And so part of me believes it's not more. It's always happened. I have more access to it. But I think also on the other side of that is there's the police brutality piece where we see that, you know, our men and women are being brutalized by the police. But I think with regard to our administration now, aside from the police brutality piece, which has always been around, we just didn't get a chance to see it and we weren't believed about it, we've just got citizens that show blatant disrespect now. And I think that piece has more to do with our administration. People feel more empowered and they feel um, they're not, they don't feel any remorse about just blatantly saying and doing things. So I think there's a couple of different pieces to this to this discussion here. You know, and and you very well may be right, but and I'm not in disagreement with RJ or Joyce um, because you know it's hard to define how, the total impact that Twitter has had on us. Uh, but it does seem to me, uh, D, that we are involved in a racial war of words, uh, that we're not clearly given a uh, way to deal with the issues that are we see because so many of our young men and women are losing their lives uh, to what I call white privilege. I mean, these people are able to do things and not be punished for it and give, are given an opportunity uh, to delay punishment. So how do we deal with this when so much of it is happening and people, white America is not responding uh, in terms of assisting us to get through this situation? Here we are. We have black men dying in the street and police officers are being allowed to walk free. Well, you know, James, I think you make a great point when you say, when you observe the fact that uh, white America is not responding. Um, I think that's a huge question to ask. Uh, why is that? You know, uh, if you if they observe us to be Americans uh, and uh, like they say they do, then why aren't they responding? They have never responded. Um, but they will respond quickly if they don't agree to your right to uh, exemplify uh, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, uh, which is uh, the right of free speech and in the way of protesting by not standing to, for the national anthem. And they respond real quick to that. But they never ever responded in any kind of way uh, throughout the numerous uh, unjust shootings. And and now uh, you know, in 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 all fairness, some may have been justified. But if you were to put it on a scale of one to a hundred, I'm I'm willing to say ninety percent of those were unjustified, okay, or unnecessary. Let's say. All right. Now, 
Uh, but uh, right now, I want to quickly move on to what the young lady just said a moment ago about the art of uh, desensitizing a situation. And uh, and that is a main concern that we need to address also, because uh, cable television is is the master of desensitizing a situation. Um, you know, with 24-hour news, uh, the president that's in office right now tweeting three or four times, 19 times a day. Uh, you uh, understanding the art of desensitizing the situation, so when you hear the truth. It really don't matter. And so, uh, you know, uh, that's the kind of age that we live in. Um, what is it What is it going to take to uh, rectify this situation um, and get us back to some kind of norm? I, I really don't know. Uh, because, you know, we we live in a world where now the truth, I mean, who who who's going to recognize the truth when it's told to them? As one as Jack Nicholson said in the in a movie once, but you won't you won't know the truth when you hear it. So I don't know, um, you know, but and so in reference to the conversation, the topic of the conversation, you know, yeah, white privilege do exist. Um, and quickly, uh, Susan Smith, the lady that killed drowned her children, um, she utilized the 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 uh, knowledge of white privilege, uh, and saying that uh, a black person killed her children. And everybody was in uproar looking for a black person without even starting to investigate her background and things of that sort. Uh, they just took her at her word. And so, yeah, some people, they, it does exist, and there's a certain segment of America that will utilize it on a ready. Thanks. And one of the things, as I listen to you, and Tammy, I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name, and I'll get it right in the future. I'm a. I'm a 30-year teacher experience, and that used to be the worst part of my job was trying to remember all my students' names and pronounce. But one of the issues that I want to share with all of you is as I go through these stories and the things that sticks out to me is people of color or citizens are held to a higher degree of responsibility for all kinds of things. Here in the state of Florida, we had a situation where three employees of Walmart caught a man who had uh, robbed uh, or shoplifted and who held him down, and he he was unable to breathe, and then at some point he died. Well, these three people are going to be held accountable and they're going to be charged with manslaughter. So they did the same similar things that a lot of other policemen have done, held people down to the point where these people died, but yet it was part of their job. And we had another situation here in Orlando where a man chased a group of teens outside of a Walmart and uh, thought, the young man was going something in his pants, and he shot them. He shot the young boy, and he's going to be held with uh, manslaughter. So my thoughts are when white people find themselves in this situation or law enforcement finds themselves in these situations, 
they are not held accountable. They're not made to uh, stand punishment for these kind of situations. And at some point in time, we have to be prepared or ready to do what our forefathers did and make sure that we let people know that we're not going to let people just take advantage of us. So, Tammy, I'm saying to you, when I was born in 1960, my early childhood showed people who were willing to stand up and be heard and not allow white America to continue in the fashion that they were. So why is it now we are, after all these years, we've advanced, we have money, we have uh, intellect, but yet we are allowed the same things to take place? You know, my personal thought on that is when you talk about being born in the 60s and you talk about um, us as African Americans not being, not sitting still, and we stood up and, and, and rallied it and protested against that. Well, the people that did that are in their 50s and 60s. The people that need to move that cause forward now are the millennials and the Generation Xers, and they don't understand, or maybe they've not embraced or they've not been educated to the, the reasons and the way to peacefully protest and to make those changes because, you know, for whatever reason, they're just not present there. I mean, we look at some of the young people from some of the school shootings that have rallied up and have had these marches and said, you know what, we need for you all to get this gun control situation handled. We need for you guys to step up and do something because if not, we're going to. We're planning protests and we're going to walk out of schools. Where our young people aren't really they don't really haven't really embraced that protest. They haven't embraced or answered the call like the people from the 60s did to, to rally and make those changes. You know, that's just my personal thought, but it just seems that they're, they're maybe desensitized or just not willing to get into the fight, I guess. Uh, Kathy, um, let me come to you. Uh, after hearing that, what, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, is it that the our uh, parents were more likely to risk what they had uh, for the advancement of our our personal opportunities, and now um, we we find our children or uh, who were in college just not um, you know and people in their twenties just the millennials just not feeling. James, um, I, I don't understand the question. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying. You and I both have children who are in their twenties. Well, my daughter's in her forties, but the mm-hmm. twenty through forty group are they just not willing to sacrifice what it is that they have uh, to protest what is going on presently? Well, you know what? I, I disagree with that because I know a lot of young people in between those ages of um, millenniums that do protest. I mean, they may not protest the way that we believe or the way that we did, but they are doing their protest. They they are going, up to me, above and beyond. They, they are making a lot of things happen. They're not just talking about it. They're being about it. And I've seen them. I've heard them. I've seen blogs. I've seen 
um, letters. I've seen sleep outs. I've seen all of that. So um, I I believe that they are making things uh, happen um, during this time. I mean, it may not be um, on on TV as much as we think it it should, but I think we should watch more of the social media because that's how they do their thing. They do their thing through social media. I mean, prime example, you know how um, um, maybe a, about six months ago you saw this was a bad thing, though. You saw that um, on social media they would put a word out, hey, let's meet at the mall. And you would see thousands upon thousands of kids in, in different malls. I'm saying that to say that they are connected to one another, and when they see or hear of something that they want to make a change in, I think that they are making that change the way that they believe they should make that change. Andre, uh, let me go to you. Do you feel like we're prepared or ready uh, to make the same kind of commitment uh, to change uh, that our, our our grandparents were willing to make, uh, or are we less likely to put uh, to risk, uh, you know, where we are financially in our legacy uh, because of uh, the trouble that might be caused? It's because I really, I don't, I'm not quite sure if I can answer that one because I really feel that um, no matter what occurs, there will always be some people that are willing to fight the fight from beginning to end. And there will always be some people that will take whatever they can and run if it benefits them uh, personally. And I I really um, don't know if indeed I have enough information to determine historically if there's a significant change or not. But that all goes down to the individual. It goes to each of us. Each of us make choices every day, and we're making those choices based on what we feel is in the best interest for us. And hopefully um, by being good for us, it'll be also good for our communities, our families and all. So um, can't, can't give a definite answer on that one. Well, guys, I'm, yeah, I'm going to share again. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I agree with, with both of the other ladies. I, I didn't mean to imply that millennials were doing nothing, but I'm just saying that based on the, the the latest, uh, the amount of resources that we have, and in some communities, even in my community here in Indiana, there are a lot of young people that are really pushing and, and trying to make some changes. But I think as our collective community across the United States, given the opportunities and the technology, and even when you talked about the wealth and the resources that our generation has, even feedback and to assist them, I think that collectively, you know, we're not willing to make those sacrifices to the extent that the people during the civil rights movement of the 60s were willing to do because we live in this instant environment and a lot of our young people haven't had to do without and endure the sacrifices and the oppression that people from that period did. So a lot of them don't understand sometimes why it's necessary to fight so hard and to make those sacrifices in order to overcome a lot of the obstacles that we have because they didn't grow up with that same amount of, of oppression. So I agree that yes, young people are, but collectively they, and they a lot like of you move on. I like to move weigh in on that one also before you move on. Okay. Oh, go ahead, D. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive me. Uh, you know, uh, I think the the obvious answer is that uh, back in the day that we speak of, uh, they their situation was dire, and I think that actually 
uh, drove them to do something about their situation. Now, um, I, mm-hmm. I am under the belief that uh, this current administration, uh, through God's work, uh, is to create a dire situation that will constitute uh, our black youth to do something about their situation. Uh, you know, uh, when you when you pose that question in this manner, uh, it reminds all of us of where we are headed back to, which is 1955-1956. And, and if that's true, then this administration will create a dire situation for our youth where they will have to come into a realization that they have to do something like, like the youth did in the past from from uh, Arizona to New York and from Oakland mm-hmm. to Miami. I mean, it was it was nationwide, and they came together in that way. So it will it will take a dire situation to to galvanize them in in the way that we are are uh, looking to see some realization in in all of that. Thank you. I do agree. With, with Dee, that. the problem I, I have. Dee, the problem I have is it doesn't show any true significance in the way we're handling our business right now. Uh, I remember here in Orlando when a police officer, uh, a call was made to police that was a lie. Uh, I don't know why the person called the police and lied. Uh, He was black, and he called the police on another black child. And um, the police came. The understanding is you're not supposed to shoot anybody if you're not aware that those people have committed a felony. If those people threaten somebody's life and you come on the scene and they're running, you're not to assume uh, that they have done what was said they did. Well, anyway, the police came on the scene, the young man, the young man was able to break away and run, and then they shot him in the back. Okay? We have something we call the fleeing felon law. You cannot shoot a man in the back if you did not personally see him commit that crime. Uh, Because this young man had not done anything, and he got shot in the back, and then was found that he didn't do anything that they said he did. We got in an uproar, and they changed the law so that police officers couldn't shoot people in the back anymore. I'm saying to you, as I grew up and heard about the Black Panthers and Malcolm X, all these different individuals who had a national standing where they were accepted and appreciated for the commitment they made to the values of trying to create a safer environment for African Americans. I just don't see that we are galvanized in that way at all right now. Uh, so, Joyce, when we talk about these young people, and, and when I say young people, I'm still talking about people from the age of 18 uh, to 40, don't seem willing or prepared uh, to give up the freedoms that they have to wage war against the system. Well, that's they don't have no one to to lead uh, to um, nurture them and to mentor them, like yourself and us. The way we talk about it, but you know, talking but doing the do. 
you know, you've asked, you know, several times, what can we do? And I had suggested that what we can do on this particular, we can start doing an impact, making calls as a group. On one, we zero in on, on a project, and we let our voices be heard tenfold. The way that's that's a start, and then communicating. But we don't have no one to really uh, light that fire in the community. Everybody's so into their own thing, and they're so spread it out. We don't have mentoring. Mentoring, like D said, starts at the church. We don't have no spiritual people getting up in the pulpit leading the way and telling us what is going on. You used to have all your meetings, NAACP and all the other meetings at the church, majority of them, at least when I was growing up, that's where they were, at the church, you know. Uh, but you don't have no one to stand up in the pulpit. We don't have any volunteers that come from other communities, other states to come in and uh, uh, give a point of view and tell you what you can do as a community. We have to go back to that. And our kids cannot do nothing that they have not been taught or learned a mentor to do. So it starts, you know, with communication. So we have to let them know, you know, they can see one thing, but telling the story, because we do have stories to let them know about what happened in the day. And we got to be able to sit down and watch the movie with them and just really, you know, make them pay attention. Let them know that this is your time. But in order for you to step up, you need to have the right ammunition and you need the history. You need the history. You got to know where you come from in order to know where you're going. So you just can't just shoot out there and, and go for the cause. You got to know the root of it, what it is, and what your ancestors did to pave the way for you to be able to stand in the position and to have it so easy today. People pay a price for you doing what you're doing so freely today. That was a crucial price that was paid, and we need to let them know that. I'm All screaming right, Kevin, amen. No, I was just screaming amen. Okay. Andre, um, why is it that we have more money now than we ever had? And I always talk about honesty on this show. Uh, I have been given an opportunity uh, that I cannot appreciate more than my parents. Uh, you know, they gave me everything that I needed. Uh, to get to this point. And so, you know, when we realize that we are more financially secure and we have more money than we've ever had before as a nation of people of color, why are we unable to put our monies in a place that help protect us and fight for the rights that we deserve? Because of the fact that we didn't take the action similar to what Joyce have mentioned or suggested. And I think it's very important that we just don't smooth over. You know, we have, I say this so often, we have so many things that's able to distract us. So many things that we um, want to hear, have our voices heard on. So many things that we view as being unjust. But it's the actions that we are taking. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, Kathy asked at the beginning of the program for a week of, you know, positive, what's good happening, how are people um, being favored and blessed and, and touching and impact, impacting the lives of others. Um, I think you've been on this show for, I don't know what, several years. And, you know, several Five times you ask us, well, Okay, five or six years was just truly a milestone and a blessing. 
And on several occasions, you've asked us to uh, have uh, action, uh, a plan of action or a call to action. And I think that we should go back and, and listen to some of the things that Joyce said. I mean, I know, I believe that each of us are doing something in each of our communities, whether we're doing it um, with our families, um, through our churches, through our organizations, um, through um, making phone calls to our senators and or um, congressmen, uh, whether we're writing letters, we're doing something. It may be an opportunity for us to identify what we view as important because where we spend our time is where we spend our money and where we spend our money we feel that it's valuable enough to be worthy for us to support the cause so i think the question is um is answered by the fact that um we have to be willing to take action we have to be able to take a stand you know i, I remember regina once suggesting that um we take uh books and put them in the right hands um you know whether that was leaving them at the barbershop if that was identifying children that wanted books so it was a focus on the importance of reading and, and literacy. Uh, so um, maybe we can kind of pause and, and kind of reflect on some of the things that we may be doing already or some of the things that we think we can do in order to help. And we can help one. If we help one, that's one more than what would have been had we not helped. So that's allowing my voice to be heard. <laughs> and it's important and this show is important, uh, that we share with each other what it is that we think is um, that should be a part of this platform. And I want you all to know uh, that I'm always looking for stories uh, to share with you, uh, stories to talk about and get us uh, engaged. Uh, one of the things uh, I heard a gentleman named Mike Dyson uh, sounds like an awesome uh, African-American gentleman who has the ability to just uh, inspire you to to say things or do things uh, to make life better. And I have to be prepared to listen to people like him so that I can better understand what it is that I'm feeling. We all are feeling something. You know, you can't live today and not feel some pain related to where we are right now. And, uh, Kathy, I realize that you are in a spiritual home uh, that keeps you focused on the power of God and the power of prayer, and we appreciate what you bring to the table, and I'm going to respond to it. I'm going to look for those stories that will give us inspiration and uh, I just wish I could be inspired by them more than the ones that don't. But please understand that every voice that you have falls on ears that are listening, and I want you to know that I'm going to work hard. But we do have to recognize that there's some evil amongst us, and we have to be prepared to deal with it honestly. Oh, I'm sorry, James. I just thought you were just uh, <laughs> making making a statement, but praise God, you know, praise God. And I know that that you are and you do search out, and I know how much 
what's going on with our president and with all these uh, uh, killings and everything, how it touches your heart and you want uh, a change to happen. And so do I and so do everybody else on the show. But I just believe in my heart of hearts that every now and then, maybe once a week, that we, we bring a positive something because the, even though there is – 90, 98-point-whatever-percent of bad, there is still 99.1% of good going on as well. So for every bad, there is good. You know, God does not just still have us here just to be here. There is some good being done, like uh, Audrey was saying. There is good being done every day, even in our lives, you know, like um, uh, Joy said as well. I mean, it's it's being done all over. You just have to pull it out. Let's talk about it. Let's inspire one another because I'm going to tell you, when I get on here and I hear about the president, and I know that he's doing these things, I just go into a silent prayer for him, you know, because I believe that God can change him. I, I truly believe it in my heart of heart because I know where I came from, and no one is exempt of change, you know, and I believe that even the kids, as they're out there doing this, I believe that they can change. I mean, it's it's about hope. I, I, I am very hopeful for the things that's going on, the, the, the um the white privilege thing. And when I go out, I, I I know on one side I'm looking at, I know they're looking at me thinking I'm going to steal something. But on the other side, I'm looking at what God says. You are more than a conqueror. Greater is he that thinks. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm building myself up not to even entertain what the enemy is trying to say to me. So I appreciate you. I appreciate this show. I'm so grateful that you have that you have people here to to voice their opinion, and you are uh, you are a blessing, James. You have done so much for others. I mean, we can one day just talk about how you have blessed others. I mean, that could be a day. It doesn't matter. Just a day of blessing, just one day, so that we can be give thanks and praise to God on this show. I know we do it outside of this, but on the show, just let people know how grateful we are that God allowed us to be a part of this show. Thank you. Well, and as well, I want you to know that there are things that you all say and do that falls on my ears. Uh, I purchased three books today, and uh, I hope I get to the point where I can read a book a month, guys. I'm telling you, there have been years that I, I didn't read any book. I'm really into news, and I'm really paying attention. Uh, but I don't read as often as I should. Uh, and I know that I need to read so that I'm able to pull together the thoughts in my head and the tools that I need to wage war on what is going on in, in our society. I want to be able to be uh, able to say the things that need to be said at the time that they need to be said that allows people to recognize that we have to pull ourselves together. Uh, we got too much money and too many opportunities, Tammy, uh, to sit back and fat cat it. Uh, there's more money in our society and in control of African, by people of color that we are wasting our finances by not utilizing them in the war that we're talking about. 
Are you there, Tammy? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just listening. I'm just trying to, to get my thoughts together. But I, I would say that I agree. Yeah, we got, you know, when I look at it and look at organizations like the NRA, why in the world is there a organization as powerful as the NRA in this year, you know, 2018, but yet our organizations are going in the other direction? You know, we talk about the NAACP and the, the yearly uh, uh, functions they have to raise money, but they've lost the aggressiveness that is needed to make people fear them. Uh, I just don't believe that the NAACP is is feared at all by the governmental agencies that are out there making decisions about our lives. And until we galvanize a group uh, led by our entertainers, our athletes, our, our business people, we are just not going to be able to wage war like we should be able to, is that we don't understand the importance and value of having an organization like the N, uh, the NRA, uh, Joyce. It just seems like we're oblivious to the need to have an organization that is funded by all of us in a way that allows them to wage war for us. Well, that's not going to happen too much. That, 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 that's what got everything done then. That is not what's going to move the, the clock and the ticker uh, to go forward. Uh, you ask the average young person, they don't even know what the word NAACP means. You know, that's a, they need to, it needs to be something new to grasp their attention and to, to take notice. Because those organizations that you name more than likely they are in the bed with the with, with the other organization because they had to get in bed with them in order to survive to survive more or less. They're not out for the cause of the of some of the cause. They pick and choose instead of taking every cause on the way that it should be on any level. They pick and choose, and they put they normally choose sometimes that that they know that they're gonna spotlight and show on TV. Instead, and then the average person who really needs to fight, they get mixed up and thrown away in the shuffle. So what 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 is needed, I think, is is, is a new light. It's a it's some new type of organization. Um, it's a new type of spirit that is gonna need to be uh, fired and united amongst the young people. They need to create their own type of organization, similar to after this school tragedy. You know, they form in unity. So those are the type of organizations now that needs to step up because it's their time. It's their generation. Our NAAC, ACLU, all those type, we have taken somewhat and need to a back seat on some of the causes because they're not going forward with it because they don't have the fight in them and they don't have the right people in place to move it. So now the young people going to need to, to get energized in such a way, and they have to do it. They're doing it their way in a way. Uh, they need the sparkle, so they need to get united. Something will sparkle them to the point where they can come together at one and move forward. That's my take. All right. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and uh, have our final say. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here. 
Uh, Joy? I would like to say welcome, Tammy. And my name is Joyce, and I reside in uh, Arizona. And um, my last word for today is that uh, my condolence goes out to Louis Theracon, who died today. Um, and he was one of the person of the cause. You might go to the left or to the right with him, but those are the type of pioneers that we're losing every day, and hopefully we get more to be able to step up. Have a nice evening. Oh, my goodness, Joyce. I had no clue. I had when did that happen? Today, and he died at his home. Hopefully wow, I, tonight. I could not imagine. I've been all over TV all day, and I had not heard that. Uh, Cassie, please uh, welcome Tammy and uh, let her know where you're from and uh, uh, go on with your final thought. Good evening, everyone, and welcome, Miss Tammy to um, this controversial um, <laughs> show where we love on each other. We go against <laughs> each other and there are opinions, but at the end of the day, it's all in love. We love one another. We're sisters and brothers in Christ. And my name is Kathy, and I'm from California, and thank you so much for coming and being a part of our family. Thank you. All right, uh, Tammy, you're the last person. Uh, D, for whatever reason, had to leave today, and uh, certainly he'll give an opportunity to welcome you uh, to the show as well. Uh, we have a, a number of other people, Nate and uh, Regina and uh, Cheryl. Uh, so it's a lot of other uh, people who normally call in who are not here today, but thank you for uh, putting in your words of wisdom and uh, talking about everything. We truly appreciate you. Uh, so what are your final thoughts this evening? Well, first, um, first I would want to say thank you to all of you for welcoming me. Um, and, you know, and my final thoughts really are, you know, I really appreciate that I think Kathy said that, you know, we all disagree, but we all love each other and we're all, you know, collectively. I think just based on what I heard, I think we all kind of have the same thoughts. Um, from the shows that I've listened to so far and participated in, you know, I think that there's some very interesting and very real topics that we discuss. But I do also like the idea of some positive and uplifting and nurturing thoughts as well because, you know, if you want to go far, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you take a group. And this collective group, I think, uh, the goal is far because it seems like everyone, we have a variety of different opinions. So just thank you so much for welcoming me. And I'm looking forward to participating. I mean, I don't know if I'll be here every day. I have a, a lot that I do work-wise and a lot that I do outside of work and, and with family and things in my community as well. But I'm just looking forward to being a part of this group. Well, we appreciate any time that you have to share with us and also share your wisdom with us. Uh, it's not about uh, being here each and every day, but being here often enough uh, that you are become a part of the family and be able to uh, share things that are going on in your area uh, that can help us and inspire us as well. I just want to tell you guys that I just appreciate the support that you all give me and know that every time I come on this show, it's just a blessing to know that some of you are going to be out there and we're going to have an honest conversation. I want all of you to take care, and we'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk about the things that are important to us today 
and in the future. And uh, I will be on my job to find something inspirational, Kathy. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> All right. Good night. Father, help your children.